Well, we're ending our thankful series uh, in that, remember at the beginning, we were talking about thankful, that Eric taught about just being thankful for what Christ did for us. And then we talked about being thankful for friends, that sometimes we are, we expect our friends to do for us, but we don't do for our friends. We say, well, I don't have any friends. And usually when people say, well, I don't have many friends, then my question to them, it really is, it makes them kind of some people, it makes, mad. it makes them mad, but others, it just goes, golly, why'd you have to say that? I always say, well, what kind of friend are you to others? Because if you say, well, I'm lonely, I don't have a lot of friends, it's probably because you may not get out of the house. You may not be the one that invites other people in. You may not be calling. You're just waiting for people to take in you. And it works both ways. We need to be thankful for friends, but also be a friend. And we talked about being thankful for family, being uh, uh, the friend part was from Jason uh, and uh, one of our elders and um, his wife, uh, Brandy, and then last week we talked about being thankful for, for family, and that was uh, Lisa, uh, Wacy and Lisa Johnson, talked about being thankful for family, that we have family members that, you know, we're just not that thankful for. We just think, oh, Lord, here they come, Thanksgiving, they're the odd one. <laughs> they're the ones that everybody goes, oh, yeah, I hope they don't come talk to me, but they're your family, and sometimes God puts people in your life that are family members that actually strengthen you and actually help you build your own character with family. And so just to be thankful for family, even the ones that are on, that are straight away from the Lord and straight away from the church, just to be thankful that they're still connected and you can always involve uh, yourself in their life and sometimes somehow try to help them. Well, today I'm going to talk about being thankful for freedom. And as I begin to study for this, uh, really, um, about six weeks ago, I began to think, um, well, what... Uh, how can I take freedom? Because when you go in the Bible and you look at the number of times that freedom, the word freedom was taught in the Bible, there's a lot of time, there's a lot of scripture. There's a lot of scriptures. There's a lot of words uh, in the Bible that uh, mean freedom or point to freedom. And I thought, okay, well, what do I talk about when it says to being thankful for freedom? So the only thing I thought about was I couldn't do the whole thing. It would take, it would take a whole series just to talk about freedom. So I picked four things. And I really picked about seven to eight, but I had to cut back on four, okay? It's not because I couldn't teach it, but I just can't teach it in about 30 minutes, which is about what we do. Um, now, if y'all want to stay till 2.30, I'll do them all, but I'm going to do four because uh, I'm starting to get hungry, and I know you are too. So when we talk about freedom, there are four things that I, I want to uh, touch on that I thought were the most important to me. Now, when you say, well, that's all about you, no. Let me help you out. As a pastor, you meet people and counsel with people and deal with people that are hurt or that are hurting or going through something. And so for me, there are things that I want for uh, the people that I talk to, for you. And if I had to nail them down to four, which is what I've done, these are the four things that I want for people. These are the four things that I want for me. These are the four things that sometimes, except number one, that I struggle with. And I thought, if I struggle with them, I know you struggle with them. If you don't, you may struggle with two and the rest are good. Like my first one is no struggle. But the others, sometimes I find myself struggling with these, these different types of freedom. So I'm coming out of the overflow of my life, but also out of the overflow of your life. What I want for you. And what I don't want you to go through. And so uh, we're all on this quest for freedom. You ever notice that? Uh, when I was in full-time evangelism and I worked for 10 years, there, were, there, were, there was, uh, from this week, uh, 
this week right here before Thanksgiving, all the way into Christmas and about the second, uh, the first week in January, as a full-time communicator, as somebody who would travel and speak and do camps and retreats, it was a dead time. Uh, I didn't have very many speaking engagements. Um, uh, and that's because uh, uh, there's not a whole lot of retreats going on. Uh, everybody's kind of geared in for Christmas and geared in for the new year. Uh, I would do some interim work or do uh, speak from time to time on a Sunday morning, but I had nothing to do. So I had this man at this, uh, the church where I was officed, and he said, uh, listen, I know in his evangelist, sometimes thing can get, things can get slow. If you ever need work to make sure that your family's taken care of, I'll put you to work. And he was a cement guy. Yeah, he, uh, I said, well, what would I be doing? He goes, I don't know. But I just know I got work for you. And I said, I'm there. And there are times that all I did was drive all over Houston and Livingston and drop off material for people who were putting in cement, you know, and uh, for roads. And there are parts of Houston that I drive through and I probably go over that overpass and go, I helped build that because I did, you know. I may have just been the guy doing this with the shovel. One time, you know, I got to use, or several times I got to use a bulldozer. I've you know, I probably wasn't legal, but I used a bulldozer. And my favorite one was, I call it, I can't, I don't know what you call it, but I called it the, uh, the Flintstone uh, machine. If you know anything about the Flintstones, you know that big, that big wheel. And all I did was, <laughs> there was a week where all I did, <laughs> eight hours a day, five days a week, is I put it in drive and drove it a mile and a half, crushing things, pushing down that cement. And then I backed it up and crushed it. I did that all week. Like I said, I just made the ground solid. And, and, uh, but he would take care of me and provide for me. And there were some workers there that were from Mexico. And two of them, one of, them, one of, his, name, one of his name was Javier, and the other one's name was Hector. And I loved working with those guys. And they would come in, and they were both believers in Christ. And we worked together on most of the jobs and uh, got to know them real well. And one time they left for like a month and a half without even telling me. And I asked my guy, I said, what, where's Hector and uh, Javier? They said, oh, they went home to Mexico to take money to their parents and to visit with them. They'll be back. I said, when they can be back? He goes, I don't know. But when they do come back, they have a job. And so they came back and I said, hey, why do you, let me ask you something. I know this is probably obvious, but why, why would you want to come to America? And they were both uh, uh, legal. I mean, they did everything the right way. And the first one, Hector said, money. And I said, well, great. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad we can help that. And I said, what about you, Javier? And he said, uh, freedom. He said, I, he said, I can go and do this job anywhere in the United States. He said, I can't do that in Mexico. Sometimes you can't even leave your city. He said, I can drive down the road and get stopped by a police officer not be in fear that I could end up buried in the desert. He said, I want freedom. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And it was really neat to hear him, them, over those course of weeks to talk about freedom. And that's what we're, we're talking about this morning. We're all on this quest for freedom, right? Now, even Hector, who said, I really want money, he was actually on a quest for freedom, what? Freedom from being poor. Freedom from not having enough. We're all on a quest for freedom. Some of you are on a quest for freedom from an addiction, right? You want this freedom from whatever that addiction is. It could be pornography. It could be 
alcohol, it could be drugs. It could be a codependent life that you want freedom from. And you go along and you do well for a month and a half, but then you're sucked right back into whatever it is, whatever sin, whatever thing that, whatever sin it is, whatever it is in your life that, that kind of traps you. And then you stay there and all you want is for free. We're all on a quest for freedom. I'm on a quest for freedom and I don't mean this funny, but I find myself going on a quest from, for freedom from sugar. I love sugar. <laughs> I hope I am put in a room full of sugar when I go to heaven. Uh, and, you know, because, and I'll just take spoonfuls and nothing will happen to my heavenly body. I can be addicted to sugar. I, I, I can become a glutton for things of sweets. I can eat sugar uh, in a way to take away my pain, to take away my depression. And so there are times when I'm on a quest for freedom from that. Are y'all with me? We're all on a quest from something. And these are the four things that I wanted you to see that I'm thankful for. Maybe you'll be thankful for that you're on a quest for freedom. Everybody take your Bible and turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, you can turn in your, on your phones. If you don't have a Bible on your phone, you can go to our church at Carpenter's Way. Get over there and click on the, the Bible at the bottom of it and it will, um, uh, you'll see that. And you can uh, get that there if you want to get up and get a Bible from the back. Uh, we'll do that. If you're embarrassed and you don't want to get up, uh, just go like this, and I'll have one of my elders bring you a Bible. Okay, I got one. Hey, can you get a Bible? Uh, one of my elders, get a Bible for right here. There you go. Uh, we've got an NIV or a, uh, whatever. Yeah, I want you to have a Bible. In fact, uh, you can take that Bible with you. All right, because I think the, the power of God's Word is more powerful than what I can say. So we're going to read it. Uh, uh, let's look at John chapter 8. Uh, I'm sitting here talking, and I couldn't even turn to chapter 8. All right. John chapter 8. Now, let me set this up for you. Uh, in John chapter 8, um, Jesus was talking to the Jews. Now, you got to remember the Jews were caught up in this life of what we consider the Old Testament, the law, things you had to do. They consider themselves, again, and they were, to be the chosen, one, uh, the chosen, chosen ones of God. They believed that they were a slave to nobody. They were never slaves because God was their God. Uh, but in reality, w their history had shown that they became slaves, right? When, uh, when they were taken into Babylon for all those years of slavery. But they would say, we have never been slaves to anyone. You're going to see them say that. So Jesus had spoke to these Jews. Everybody with me? Just a little nerdy history. They spoke to the Jews. And some of them said, you know what? We believe that you are the Jesus, the Messiah, that is talked about in what we consider the Torah, the Old Testament Scripture. We believe that every prophecy that we've read points that you are this Messiah. So some of them joined Jesus and said, we are now your disciples. And so he's teaching them, but there's also these other Jews that are probably sitting around that have not, they will not believe that. They do not believe this Messiah. They just think he's a good guy. He's a rabbi, but he's not, he's just this little teacher, but he's not a true, uh, the true Messiah. So we get to this point that some came to know him and understood the truth. And then in verse 31, here's what we're going to read. John chapter 8, verse 31. And we're going to read a lot of scripture in different places. So be ready to move those Bibles. It says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him. See what happened? He says, uh, if you continue in my word, 
then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, when he said that free word, some of them went, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I've been free all my life. Look what it says. And you will know the truth, and truth will make you free. And they answered him, well, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Well, first of all, they failed to acknowledge that in their past, in their Jewish history past, their people, the Jews, had become slaves. Secondly, they did not even understand that they were living in slavery based on the law. You with me? And so they're going, wait a minute, we're not slaves. We've never been slaves. Slave is not a word that's in our vocabulary because we've been free all along. And isn't it funny that they were actually in slavery and Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, was trying to retrieve them out of this slavery of the law. He was trying to take them out of that. But they didn't even know that they were slaves to that. I think it's amazing if we flip that to us. Everybody look right here. This is just the truth. All of us, if we look hard enough, we are a slave to something, but we won't acknowledge it, right? That's why I said we're a slave to a drug, we're a slave to wine, we're a slave to beer, we're a slave to pornography, we're a slave to codependent life, we're enslaved to what people say about us instead of what Jesus says of us, we're enslaved to the sin that people keep us condemned. Everybody with me? We're all a slave. And just like them, they said, oh, no, we, we don't know slavery. You may be going, hey, I'm fine, but you're a slave to something, and I'm a slave to something. What is that? This, Jesus answered them, truly, verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Truth. It says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain Forever. That's a beautiful picture of people like me and like you that we commit a sin over and over again. We know that it's wrong. We get out of it for a month or two months. We feel good. We feel free. But in a moment of weakness, we go back to it. Am I willing to admit that I'm the only one? Or have you been there? That's what it is. We always run back. And listen, we are, we are a, a slave. The slave can leave us, right? But what does it say? Jesus remains. He remains. I was telling somebody earlier uh, that uh, there's a song from back in 90 and it was by Michael W. Smith and it was a, did a video uh, and it was in the video it, it showed, uh, we were having a big rally and it showed this picture of Michael W. Smith. First it showed a picture of Jesus like this during the song on a cross and slowly faded Michael W. Smith into this picture. And then faded back into Christ. And I had a lady walk up to me going, I'm really having a problem with this. And I said, yes, ma'am, what's wrong? She says, I just don't think you need to show this video to these kids. Because that's wrong. It's like he's Jesus up there. And I went, oh, you've missed the point. I said, go home tonight and study over Galatians 2.20. It was actually a picture of what happens. That I am crucified with Christ who lives in me, right? It was a picture and, and that's what this scripture is. The slave leaves, what? Jesus remains because we've been crucified with Christ. 
It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? What a beautiful picture. And so I want you to know he's trying to tell them, listen, the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I love that line. When I got saved at 14, and that was in April of 77, I'll never forget it, 14, the first camp I ever went to as a saved Christian young boy was a a camp called Super Summer. It was on the campus of Baylor University. And their theme for that week was free indeed. And I remember being taught for the first time for, you know, three times a day we had Bible study. It was wonderful. Most of us couldn't sit through that. We'd go, oh Lord, what am I going to do? But it was, it was wonderful for me. And we learned about what it means to be free indeed. And that word indeed in the Greek, if we were to take it, um, it could be summed up to really understand it. And it's the simplest form. This is just me. Just what you read and study is that you are freed. Really free. Indeed. You are free indeed. You're free. Am I free? Oh, really? You're really free. Now, when our kids were young, uh, we planned to go uh, uh, to, we traveled with the Smiths a lot, and we went to different vacations with the four kids, and uh, we both had two girls. It really worked out well, and we were supposed to go to, uh, I'm trying to remember, you know, down the Guadalupe and the Comel River, we were supposed to go in that area. And I remember uh, we were waiting, and they had a big, big, uh, a big rainfall up there, and all of a sudden, they kept on calling us, hey, the, the river, we were right on the river, and the river's up now to the steps, oh, and then by Wednesday, it was like, the river is now uh, in the house, I don't think it's going to come down, well, it was like four days, so we started talking, what were we going to do? And uh, one of them said, hey, let's go to Disney. I went, what? Disney? I mean, okay, let's say $1,500 versus, you know, 6000 But uh, as a, I've never been, I'd never been to Disney. So I was like this little kid going, oh, that's good. Let's go. I've always, yeah, let's go to Disney. So we planned a trip, but we didn't tell the girls until the night before. We stood in front of the, we set them down in front of that little fireplace in the summer and said, girls, we got to tell you something, all four of them, and said, uh, we're not going to be able to go to the Comel River. It flooded. Man, they just began to <laughs> cry and cry. And uh, uh, I said, but, and Kirby couldn't handle it. I said, but, and we were all supposed to say it together. Kirby said, we're going to Disney! He was like... <laughs> And we go, yeah, we're going to Disney. And they went, we're going to Disney. And if I could put it in biblical uh, words of what we said, we're going to Disney indeed. Really. Man, their whole countenance changed. And we went to Disney. It was the most wonderful trip. I loved it because I parked my car and I didn't, I didn't move that car until... Eight days later, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. I'd buy something for the girls without even know it, and it would end back. It would end up on their bed. They had to carry it around. It was wonderful. Great vacation. I saw characters that I wanted to see. We had the little two meals with the uh, with the all the. Uh, this is all free. Had characters with all the uh, uh, breakfast or something with all the little characters. I enjoyed it as much as my children. 
No, no, no. Really. I loved it. Isn't it great? Uh, and I wanted to go back. Look at you. You're going, God. yeah, are y'all invest in Disney? Okay. Well, that's, that's what we did. We invested in Disney. But what I want you to know is when they said, really? We said, really? When he said, you are free, what he was saying, you mean we're really free? And he said, oh, indeed. You don't have to question it. Now, I'm reading all this because I'm going to help you see these four things. Let's read on. So if the Son makes you free, you, are really, you will be free indeed. Verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me. And that wouldn't be something. Well, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but I, and I also know that you're going to kill me. They're going, what? My word has no place in you. He said, I speak the things which I have seen with my father, therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. He was trying to teach them that, listen, you're basing your whole life on your descendants. You're basing your whole life on these laws. But I've come to set you free from that. So I want you to know that we're all on a quest for freedom, right? We want to be free and we're free indeed. So here are the top four things, if you want to write them down, that I I am so thankful for about freedom. Number one, I have this freedom from death. Everybody take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at 55. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. There you go. I like to hear those pages. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. Let's start, let's start at 50, just to keep it in context. Now I say this, brethren, the flesh and the blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He's talking about our bodies. Verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Oh, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and he will be cha- and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable. It's talking about death. And this mortal must put on immortality. Look 54. But when this perishable, but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on the immortality, listen, here it is. Then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? So let me tell you what I'm thankful for and what I wanted to share with you. Listen closely. I didn't just put this together. This is me thinking of not only me, but what... What do I want forever? This week when I sat, and I've done it, I can't tell you how many times, in a room after somebody has passed on to the other life, one of the first things I said, even when I walked in with Pace, and they don't mind me talking, Pace, and we were all sitting there, and there was her father. He had taken his last breath 30, 40 minutes ago. We all stood there, and and I said, y'all know this is just a body, right? And everybody went, oh, amen, yes, we do. And I go, yeah. I said, oh, death, where is your sting? 
I'm so thankful that when I take my last breath, that death has nothing over me. That if I should die today, I hope I will be missed. But I'll tell you what, even if I wasn't, I won't know it. Because I will be in the presence of an almighty father who loves me. So if you want to know what I'm thankful for when it comes to freedom, the first thing is I'm thankful that death will not have its sting on my life. And you ought to be thankful that when you take your last breath, whether it's quickly or whether it goes very slowly, that at that moment when you exhale your last breath, you will take in fully the deepest, clearest, most wonderful breath. And it would be the breath of Jesus in you. And I hope you have that. I want that. I need that. So what I'm thankful for in freedom is the freedom from death. Aren't you? You know, my mom made a lot of mistakes, but I know my mom was a believer in Christ. And I know that when I get to heaven, I'll see my mama. And anything about her past, any about things about the mistakes that she made in my life as a mom, I will not even think of them. Because that's a part of sin. And sin and death have nothing to do, watch this, have nothing to do with our eternity in heaven. And if you don't have that in your life, all it takes is a confession, a belief. You can put it as you want, inviting Jesus to your life, loving Jesus, confessing Jesus. Listen, and that means that at the moment of death, we'll have life. There are people that have died here that I miss greatly over the past 10 years who were good friends, who were good people to me. And one day, I will see them again. Right? Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for the freedom from death? That's freedom. It's why people are able to lay in deathbeds and they're okay. And they will not let go until they know you're okay. It's that old saying, funerals are not for the dead. Funerals are for the living. So, are you thankful for that freedom? How often do you think, man, you, you, you're driving your car and something happens, you go, oh my gosh, I could have just died. Anybody ever had that happen to you? And if you would have, most of the time I drive away thinking, I'm thankful that if I did, my children know where I am, they knew how much I loved them, and I'll see them again in heaven. Secondly, I'm thankful for freedom from hopelessness. Look at Psalm 34, 17 through 20. Everybody turn there. Psalm 34, 17 through 20. 34, 17 through 20. I'm going to go very quickly. Look at verse 7. We're going to come back to this. Keep your finger in it. Uh, Psalm 34, 17 through 20. Or, I'm sorry, 8 through 11. I apologize. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord and his saints 
For to those who fear him, there is no want. Look at this. The young lions do lack and suffer hungry, hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. You know, when you're in depression, everybody look right. When you're in depression, when you're down, when you're anxious, I want to teach you truth. When you find yourself there, let me tell you what you are. You are in want. You want it to go away. You want the problem to be taken care of, right? You're in want. But it says if we take in the Lord, and, and that's that part of where, where freedom from this hopelessness that you will not be in want. I'm so thankful that I have beat the sting of death because of what Christ did for me on the cross, but I'm also thankful that I do not have to live in this hopeless life, that I can taste and see the goodness of God in everything that happens, even when a believer dies. And we don't think it's fair that that person died because if we were honest, and we won't say anything to anybody, but what we're thinking is this. Why in the world would God let that person die who is so good, who is so awesome, who loves him, but let that person live? Oh, you won't say it out loud. But let me answer the question for you. Because that person was ready. And that person is not. Right? God didn't. Remember Jesus said, I, I come to what? To uh, help those in need. Right? I come to heal those who are hurt. So the people that I didn't think were fair that God took was really fair. And you remember, God numbers your day, nobody else. When, when we make a statement, and, and not that you can still say it. I'm not giving you a hard time, but we say, oh, wow. They're a believer in Christ. And we say, that is just too young to die. You know, that's not true. Because if they knew Christ, then we know that Christ numbered their days. So God would look at you and go, no, I wanted them with me. I always say, when it just doesn't make sense to me, it's just another Enoch that went to walk with God on God's timing. I'm so thankful that on this earth, I do not have to live in this hopeless life. That you can get out of pornography, that you can get out of a drug, uh, you can get out of that divorce, you can get out of that relationship, you can get out of your marriage dying, you can get out of it. Why? Because we are not only free from death, but we are free from hopelessness. I looked at Matthew uh, 11. Everybody turn to Matthew 11. And that's the first book of the New Testament, Bradley. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> I know him well enough. He's not going to go home with his feelings hurt, all right? <laughs> Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Look. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Look, take my yoke upon you and learn, learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know what that is? That's hope. Look at the next line. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is a life that can go from hopelessness 
from, from having no hope to having complete hope. The third thing I want you to know that I was thankful for out of all the eight or nine that I put down, this is the third one that I want for other people. I'm, I, I, I am thankful for the freedom from sin and condemnation. Everybody turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All this good stuff. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also. Why? So that you will be able to. To endure it. You know what that is? That with the sin that you're involved in, there's a way out. That there's a way out of even being tempted to be involved in sin. I'm so thankful that sin doesn't have to run my life forever. Look at 1 John 1 9. Everybody turn to 1 John 1 9. 1 John 1 9. First John. One nine. If we say, look at verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, well, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But here it is. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good? So that we mess up. Because see, everybody look, because you've been in it. I know I have. That when you mess up, Boy, sometimes the church and the world can just remind you of your mess up. Right? Jesus is not going to do that to you. He'll make a way out for you. He's going to help you get through it. And you can't look at the world or the church that has no grace at times to get beyond where you are. Because I tell you what, it's like I did one of the first sermons I ever preached. I don't know, maybe some of you first, you know, I preached a, a, a thing that, uh, um, that God, God loves us. I put it in the act of peanut butter, the peanut. You know, we look at a peanut and we say it's useless. It's only good for one thing. But you know how I many you know things are used for, from peanuts? There were over 122 uses for the peanut. And sometimes when we feel like we messed up, God can take us with our past, just like peanut, and make it into wonderful things. Isn't that something? You know, and I came from that thing that people go, well, man, how do you live your life? Man, I'm just a squirrel looking for a nut. I just need my next meal, Right? We got squirrels that dig up, run across our fence. And my wife the other day said, man, all my succulents are all over the place. And then she went and changed some stuff, and she found all these little pecans underneath there. You know why? Because it's just a squirrel trying to survive. Right? God will help us survive. And we don't have to stay under that sin. 
And uh, you can turn there later, but remember uh, Romans 8, 1 and 2, where it says, now therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The world can condemn you all they want. Even the Christian church can condemn you all they want. It's not biblical that they do that. But you know what? They'll get over it. You got to say that to yourself. They'll get over it. And if they don't, my Father in heaven, I'm thankful for freedom from sin and freedom from condemnation from you. We, we care about, it's good to have a good reputation, but we care sometimes too much about what people think of us and our past. And it's amazing how many people take and they go, and I go, that happened in their life? And they'll go, oh yeah. And I go, was that recent? And they go, oh no, that was like when they were 18. And I go, and they're 40-something? And you're still sitting here talking about their past? I don't, I don't have time for that because I see them for who they are now in Christ, right? We do. So if you want that, then you better give that. And the last thing is freedom from fear. Now go back to Psalm 34, and this is where I'll close. Sorry, I took a little bit more time than usual. Psalm 34, and look, I want you to look at freedom from fear, verses four, uh, uh, really, uh, four through seven. The psalmist wrote this. Oh, y'all, y'all gotta, you gotta, you gotta look at this. Don't, don't let me read it to you. If you have it, look at it. And then underline something, because I'm gonna give you something to walk away with. Or the Lord give you, he gave it to you. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. Right? Look. They looked to him and were radiant. And their faces will never be ashamed. And the poor man cried. He's talking about himself. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him. And he saved him out of his troubles. Now watch this. It's pretty amazing. I'm going to draw a picture for you. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Now the fear is who find him in all. Look at this. And he rescues them. I am so thankful that I don't have to live a life of fear. Fear of death, fear of a life of hopelessness, fear of being condemned of my sin and my past, and fear, listen, I'm so thankful. I, I, I am so thankful I've been free from fear. And he said, when I looked to him, I saw how wonderful he was. And I love this part. He said, then the angel, right, will come. It says he will rescue us. Now watch this. Here's what I envision. If you're ever in a point of fear, just fear, anxiety, don't know what I'm going to do, don't know how I'm going to pay the bill, don't know how I'm going to get through this marriage, don't know how I'm going to help my child deal with their struggle, don't know how I'm going to get out of my past, you're in fear. And the moment you... The moment you're there, try to remember that you are free from fear because of what Christ did. And imagine an angel over here cleaning his shield, looking up to heaven. And now imagine another one with his sword. He's drawing it out and he's sharpening his blade. Imagine another angel sitting there up against a rock or whatever it is, and he's cleaning his bow, checking for the balance of his arrow. And all they are waiting on is this, a command from heaven 
to rescue you. Isn't that awesome? So when you feel fearful, first of all, know that you're not alone. God has sent his angels. And when you say, God, in the midst of all this, you are still wonderful. You are still uh, awesome. And I, I want to please you more than anything else. I'm in awe of what you've done in the past. Even right now, when my faith is struggling. I'm in awe of you. I know you're here. And boy, God, from the throne of heaven, will call upon his angels and snap them into attention. And the shield will go up, and the sword will be ready, and the bow will be ready, and you will be rescued. Y'all with me? Instead of sitting on a rock, thinking, I have nothing, I'm so fearful. Remember, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for freedom from fear. Look, those are my four. That death has no sting. That I don't have to live this life of hopelessness. That no matter what people say, I am not condemned. And I'll not live under their condemnation. And I will not live in fear because I know at God's command, he will rescue us because he loves his creation. So that's what I want you to learn today. I want you to walk away this week and be thankful that if you should perish today, death has no sting. That if you feel hopeless, that's you, that's not our Father. That if you're condemned, you're full of sin, you can get out of that. And that if you fear or if you're anxious, God's just ready for you to call out to him and snap his angels into attention and rescue us. We have a wonderful, wonderful God, don't we? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, that's what I want you to walk away with today. Uh, and uh, let's watch this video. Let's run that wonderful being footage and then we'll be dismissed. How's that? All right. Every year, Christians all over the world light candles for each of the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. This season of celebration and anticipation is called Advent. These candles hold significance as they represent four key biblical themes that came to their fulfillment in the arrival of Jesus. Peace, hope, joy, and love. This word study dives into the Hebrew and Greek origins and meanings of each of these words. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for freedom. Uh, let us remember that this week. And may we offer freedom to other people through your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.